welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Morning, Hope City family. We're saying Hope City family because it's our desire and our heart to identify as family. How many of you know or believe and have evaluated your own family and do you have everything perfectly in order and functioning perfectly? Do I see one hand in the house? Hallelujah, we've got one here. Praise God. Well, by faith, that's by faith. We're believing for that, for our our, uh, nuclear families and also for the family of God. So we're going to identify as family, even though we're still in the process of that unfolding for us and how that God wants to knit our hearts together and to build trust in our hearts for one another and that takes time as we build relationship with each other. There are a lot of uh, things that I would love to share and to teach um, but I feel that the the Lord wants us to be very specific um, this morning and there's something that God has placed in my heart that has been birthed in my heart for some time and it has been a reoccurring theme and the heart of God during our times of intercession and prayer. Some of you may know, others may not be aware, but there are a group of us who meet together every Wednesday morning and we uh, pray and intercede for uh, the family of God, for uh, you and for our families and however the Spirit of God would lead us. And I believe that sometimes the term intercession can be a little bit intimidating or daunting. We may think in terms of, oh, that is for those hyper, very spiritual people over in this category. I don't relate to that. Um, But that uh, term just simply means and is taken from a scripture in Ezekiel 22.30. And it was a time when Israel was in a very uh, rebellious stage. They'd moved away from God. The leaders were corrupt. And God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel to the people. And he said in this portion of scripture, 2230, so I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. And so that's a very, very serious statement from the Lord that he found no one. But that is not the case, that we do have those who stand in the gap. And intercession, that's just what it means. It means simply to stand in the gap on behalf of others. It means we are to stand in the gap um, before the Lord for others, that we're to stand in the gap in the face of darkness in the face of our enemy for others that we can stand and we can withhold the forces of darkness on behalf of others it simply means just standing in the gap on behalf of others that when we pray when we intercede that we make a wall we repair we repair breaches and most importantly we link God's mercy to human need And I don't think we have to look very far to see that there is so much need. Need in our own hearts, need in families, in relationship, need in the world. And, you know, um, you may find yourself as you're just walking your life in your journey. I feel this is particularly, but just wherever we go, without that word intercession being such a 
so-called hyper-spiritual word. It's a very important word that, that God would give us his heart wherever we go, that we might be just in the grocery store or at our job, and you'll just feel the overwhelming heart of God. And you can just stand in the gap for those that are around you. You don't have to know them. You don't necessarily have to speak with them. But God has a desire and a purpose to bring humanity to himself. And uh, we have experienced that as believers, and so we desire for that to continue. So just let yourself be able to experience that. Let yourself be able to experience the heart of God when relating to others or wherever you are. And, and young people, I don't want you to feel like you're, you're too young to be an intercessor. You're, you're not too young. You can stand in the gap. God can give you a heart a heart for the lost, a heart for your family. He wants to implant that within our hearts and our spirits. And I think I've shared with you before that I grew up in a, an apartment block um, that my grandparents owned. And I grew up as just a little girl listening to my grandmother interceding in the spirit. And I didn't understand it, but I caught something. And I was less than six years old. So we have a, a belief that that can happen for our little ones here in our church family as well, that the whole family would experience that anointing and the presence of God. At this time uh, of, of the year, which is an amazing time, and it can be a really uh, challenging time as well, but at this time of the year, I love to begin to, um, on the first day of December, to read through the book of Luke. And if you simply read a chapter every day in December, you will finish the book of Luke by Christmas Day. And uh, it's wonderful. The first uh, chapter of Luke just shares about the preparation of the coming of the Lord Jesus and, uh, and goes on to tell um, the story. And all of the book of Luke just declares the miracles. It's just getting me so excited about what the Lord desires to do and how he desires to, to manifest himself. And I've entitled this um, message this morning, The Elijah Anointing, A Generation Preparing the Way of the Lord. And um, we're going to just see this unfold as I share this morning a little bit from the Word and from the heart of God. And uh, we see in the first chapter of Luke that there was a couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who actually became um, aunt and uncle to Jesus when he was born. And uh, they were both from a priestly line. They had a priestly calling upon their lives. And the Word of God tells us that, that we are priests before the Lord as well. But Zechariah one day was in the temple, and he was uh, preparing the sacrifice and doing his priestly duties before the Lord. And as he was there, you know, this couple, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they, they were older, and they had a longing and a desire to have children, and they weren't able to have any children. And as he was in the temple that day, the angel Gabriel came to him. And yes, the same angel Gabriel that came to Mary and said, Hail, favored one, you've been chosen of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, his name will be Jesus, and he will save his people, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign forever. He will reign forever. So that same angel spoke to Zachariah and said, the Lord has heard your prayer. He's heard your prayer. You shall have a son, and you shall call his name John, and he will have a mighty inheritance and a mighty 
identity to prepare the way for the Messiah. What a beautiful, beautiful picture there we see. And as I was reading through this uh, chapter and this account, I was very taken with uh, Luke 1.17. And it said, He will be a man, John, with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and will cause those who are rebellious to accept wisdom of the godly. What a powerful scripture um, that, that this would be the spirit that John would flow in. And uh, most of us probably are aware that this same scripture appears in the last book of the Bible in the Old Testament, 400 years before any of this began to come to being. We see the scripture again is said a little bit differently in Malachi 4, 5, and 6. It says, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now that's a very strong word, but I think that we know that there are times when we can feel that darkness, that, that pressure in, in, in the circumstances of life, but we see that in our culture that this is a very much a true fact, that, that there is such brokenness and there's such need, and that this spirit and power of Elijah would, would be released. And here in this specific verse in Malachi, it talks about the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So it, it's a little bit more unusual in its context there, because when it talks about the day of the Lord, it's talking about not the first advent of Jesus that we're celebrating in this season, but it's about the second advent of Jesus, or the second coming of Jesus. And it's my belief that this um, spirit was manifest in the one man, John, before Jesus was born. But as we approach the, the day of the Lord, that this spirit is going to be upon a generation of people. Both young and old will carry, uh, carry this spirit of, of the spirit and power of Elijah. And uh, this is what we want to understand. I truly believe that as the family of God here at Hope City, and I know that this is true of others as well, but that this will be a part of our prophetic destiny that God wants us to move into. He wants us to have this heart and receive this heart. And there is a lot of battle against this coming forth. And uh, we're singing about that. This is how I fight my battles. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, as, as Pastor Jenny said. But, but to understand that there's a great war against this coming to pass, both in our uh, natural families and in the family of God. But the Lord wants to bring it forth. It's so his heart. It's so his heart because so often people have been broken by the circumstances of life. And as this spirit is released, there's such power in it. So who was Elijah? Well, he was a prophet in the Old Testament that once again God called at a very difficult time in Israel's history. Uh, you've probably heard of King Ahab, the notorious wicked King Ahab, and his equally notorious and wicked wife Jezebel. Maybe she has more of a reputation even than uh, Ahab does. But they were quite the controlling, powerful duo. And in the midst of that, God wanted to set up a standard against that spirit. And so he called Elijah. He called Elijah to come in this specific time in history. 
And uh, he carried this spirit, the spirit of Elijah, the spirit and power of Elijah. So we're going to look at this a little bit more this morning to see what, what is this spirit of Elijah? What is this power of Elijah? Well, first and foremost, uh, the spirit of Elijah is first and foremost a fathering spirit, a fathering spirit. And when, if we think of the father, uh, how the father manifests, the father is to protect and to cover and to, and to be a strong uh, force and to be able to stand and protect the children of God, the children in the family of God, fathers. And, uh, you know, I don't believe that this is gender-specific because there is a role for all of us as mothers and fathers in the house of God, as sons and daughters in the house of God. And this is kind of a continuation of what I shared last time about doing family well. But just understanding that dynamic that God wants to release, the spirit and power of Elijah, that fathering spirit, that caring spirit. If we look back in Genesis, and we see that God was speaking to Abraham in uh, Genesis, it talks about, uh, he says to um, Abraham, I will be a shield to you. Do not be afraid, Abraham. And uh, so that's that sense of protection, that sense of covering, that sense of strength that God would bring forth. And then a couple of chapters later in, in chapter 14, he says to Abraham again, he says, um, I am El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. And that particular Hebrew term means I am the all-sufficient breasted one. And so that shows us that in the heart of God, in the image of God, he expresses himself in that one who nurtures and cares for the flock and, and loves and, and draws and brings closer and also for that, for that strength of Father. So that is the heart of the, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Elijah, first and foremost, that fathering spirit. My husband, Blake, and I were um, in Vancouver on Friday night. He took me on a nice date. Um, it was something that he wanted to do for a long time, but we went and saw the, uh, the new Good News, uh, Good News, Good Noise Choir. And they were doing a Christmas uh, production. And it was so awesome. They were uh, singing in the uh, uh, Christchurch Cathedral, if you've been downtown Vancouver. It's right in the heart of the city. It's a very old church. And... And this, um, this choir was presenting in music the gospel in this place in kind of that black style that is very exciting to hear and, and participate in. And, and it, was, it just thrilled my heart thinking these songs and this message is just coming forth in the midst of the city here that is so broken and so needs that spirit of Elijah and the power of Elijah. And they were, they were singing so powerfully. It was just awesome. And they had three sold-out performances. And, you know, there probably was some believers, but I think there probably was a lot who maybe do not profess the Lord that were there. But that, that noise, that good news noise was going forth. And uh, it was powerful in that place. And I, I believe driving back forces of darkness and bringing the heart of God. And um, we went to a little uh, restaurant and in the heart of Vancouver, and um, and I, this, as we were having our brunch there, uh, these young men walked in. There was about five of them. I think you know they were black, and they were there was a, a white guy there too, and and you know they they were like they were Blake's best friends, and they were you know high fiving each other. I said, who were those guys? <laughs> he said, I met them in the elevator. They're my friends. <laughs> and I said, Blake has friends everywhere. 
But I don't know if they were believers or not. They had a really beautiful countenance about them. But when we left, he just went to the table and he just blessed them. He just blessed them. And, you know, to have the heart of the Father that you can just garner people to you, it draws people to you. Because there's a longing in the heart of, of young people to have that care and that, that loving and that blessing. And, um, you know, I always think, say, do you have to be friends with everybody in the world everywhere we go? But, um, yes, he does. And so I'll intercede and pray while he's doing that. No, teasing. <laughs> teasing, but not, maybe. And another um, characteristic of the heart of the spirit of Elijah is the spirit of repentance. That in this season, it's God's heart to bring us to a place of repentance, to bring the world we know to a place of repentance. And I always think of that portion of scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14 where, where it says, If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And it's just simply just keeping our heart open to the Lord to, to change, to, 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 to change us from the spirit of the world or anything that would hinder us from just being what God wants us to be. But that repentance spirit, and just means to turn around or change. We see this in the life of John where it says, Matthew 3, 2, he said, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And uh, this is something that I believe will increase in the days ahead, even perhaps during this Christmas season, that we're starting to understand that God's really working on our hearts to turn our hearts, to change our hearts. And the next uh, characteristic or ingredient of this spirit of Elijah is humility. Humility. You know, humility does not mean that you walk around with your head down because what we know about the father spirit is the father identifies uh, the son and daughter. That we find our identification through fatherhood, through the father heart of God. As sons and daughters of God, as we are close to the father heart, we become identified by him. And in, in our natural families, again, fathers are so important because young women and young men need the father's voice to be identified and to, and to know who they are. So we're not walking around with our head held down, but we're lifting our eyes and we're beholding the Lord and we're experiencing his fatherhood and is causing us to be confident of who we are as sons and daughters. And so humility is simply just having a modest, a modest expression of your own importance. Sometimes it seems like we're the center of our universe. You know, everything revolves around us and how it affects us. But true humility is carrying the Father's heart. And we see this in John's life as he was preparing for Messiah to come. But it says in John 3.30, he said, He must increase, but I must decrease. And I love how the New Living Translation says, he must become greater and greater, and I become less and less. How wonderful that would be the cry of our heart. Lord Jesus, I want you to be greater and greater in my life. Less of me, more of you. And uh, I believe that the Lord wants to free us to be who he desires for us to be in a greater way. 1 Peter 5, 5, it talks about 
before this portion of scripture. It talks about shepherds and leaders in the church and, and how that we are supposed to, to lead uh, it with care and shepherd the flock in a caring, loving way, not, not for, by compulsion or not for uh, worldly gain, but just to be really uh, empathetic to the people of God, good shepherds in the house of God. But here in verse 5-5, five, five, it says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And you know, there's often a, in our hearts, we can have unresolved issues with authority, you know. And most of us don't like to be told what to do or how to do it. But you know, Father knows best. <laughs> Father knows best. Our Heavenly Father knows best. And, and so He wants us to have that kind of heart. And we certainly see that in the world around us, that there's so much rebellion. And I think it it's due to the pain in people's hearts that they haven't had that father who protected them and loved them. And so there's been, there's rebellion that is manifest. But God wants us to have those hearts. And I love this part. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. As we relate to one another, dress yourself in humility. Take on that which is the Lord Jesus and dress yourself in humility. That's, that's a gift that we would receive from the Lord. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And this portion of scripture tells me that Humility is a great part of our armor against the forces of darkness. If we keep ourselves humble before the Lord and, and obedient to the Lord, you know, it's, humility is simply just, just submitting to the Lord, submitting to Him. And, and in prayer this week, someone said, I think it might have been Papa Gervais who said this, that if we... Um, if we keep our eyes on the good, you know, there's lots of, if you do this in the word of God, and do not do this, right? There's the yeses and the noes and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. But if we focus on that which we should do, we won't have to worry about all those complicated other things. Just to be humble and obedient to the Lord. And I believe that it's a real power against the forces of darkness as we put on that humility. Further in the word of God, it's a portion of scripture that we look to in uh, Philippians 2, 5 to 11, that it's so powerful. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. That's what we're celebrating this time of year. He didn't choose a queen to manifest himself in, to be birthed from. He chose a humble Israeli servant girl, a humble child. And we see that he didn't ch chose a, choose a palace to, to dwell in, but he chose a, a stable, a stable, a humble stable, because there wasn't any room for him anywhere. And at this time of year, we want to make room in our hearts for him. Let's open our hearts to him. And as we open our hearts to him, we can have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. 
He gave up all his, his special privileges as a son of God. And, and thinking of God sent his son. He sent his only son. I find myself saying, Jesus, my Savior. I don't know what it is, but the Spirit of God has just been hovering over my spirit and laying in my bed or just wherever, Jesus, my Savior. There's just something quickening in my spirit about that because this is the time, this is the season where we celebrate that he came. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it says, have this attitude. Have this attitude that Jesus had. The attitude of giving. Giving our hearts to God. Giving our hearts to one another. And it's my belief that as we cultivate that spirit of Elijah, that God will release us into the power of Elijah. For it is the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah moved in miraculous things, in signs and wonders. We see this portrayed in 1 Kings 17 and 18, and we're not going to read through that in detail, but just to mention a few of these things is as we embrace the spirit, that fathering spirit, that nurturing spirit of, of the Lord, that he is going to release us into this time of a manifestation of his power. We see it in measure, but God wants to release more of it. We see that uh, as Elijah stood in this time of, of King Ahab and, and Jezebel, that he declared by the word of God that there would be no rain or dew on the earth according to his word. That God gave him authority by his word to hold back the, the rain from coming. So there was a great drought upon the land. He went to the um, brook uh, Cherith and the ravens fed him. God sent ravens to feed him meat and, 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 and uh, bread morning and night. And to me that speaks of the provision of God. That in the most unlikely circumstances, in the places of our need, as we're obedient and humble to the Lord, that he will release his provision to us as we, he released his provision to his servant, his prophet. And then he went to the city of Zarephath, and when he was there, the Lord told him, you're going to meet a widow, and I want you to ask her to give you bread and water. And as he entered into the gate, he met this widow, and he said, would you give me to eat? I need some sustenance. And she said, and you were familiar with the story, she said, I have very little flour in my bin. The cruise of oil is running dry. I'm going to prepare one meal for my son, and we're just going to wait. And, and she anticipated that she would die. But the prophet said to her, there will be no end to the flour and no end to the cruise of oil as long as this drought is occurring in the land. The miraculous power of the word of the prophet being spoken into the life of this woman in the midst of, of this drought that was upon the land. It was an awesome, awesome time. And then later on in that portion of scripture, we see that the same widow's son was very, very sick and he, he died. And... Uh, Elijah went and picked him up and took him into the room that he was staying, and he laid over his body and breathed into him the breath of life. The, he raised the dead, this miraculous miracle that happened, the, the spirit and the power of Elijah that God desires to release in the midst of his people. 
And I really like this um, portion of scripture in 1 Kings 18 where it talks about uh, Ahab called Elijah, O troubler of Israel, O troubler of Israel, O you troublemaker of Israel. I would love to be known as God's troubler against the forces of darkness, against those things that are going up against the purposes of God. Oh, she's coming, or he's coming. She is trouble to us. God wants us to be troublers to the forces of darkness, and that we carry the spirit and the anointing of God. We carry the spirit and the anointing of Elijah, the spirit and power of Elijah. And so we know also the story of the showdown on Mount Carmel, where there were 450 prophets of Baal. They worshipped Baal, and they believed that he was in control of the rain and how the weather was, and and they worshipped him. And so they gathered on uh, Mount Carmel for a duel, and uh, they prepared the sacrifice, these uh, prophets of Baal. They prepared a sacrifice, and they also um, prepared an animal, and they put that sacrifice up, and they began to... They wanted to have the Lord answer by fire. This was, the, this was the challenge that Elijah brought. See if your God will answer by fire. And so they made this, uh, this uh, altar, and they began to pray, and they began to just have their gyrations all going on there. They even cut themselves. That was part of their procedure. And the altar is the place of sacrifice. The altar is the place of worship. The altar is the place of prayer. The altar is the place of giving ourselves to God completely. And that he, he returned and restored the altar that was broken down. Such a powerful thing. And uh, he also prepared the altar of the Lord. He put the animal upon the altar. And he even dug a trench around and filled it with water. And he began to pray that fire would come down. And the fire of God came down and consumed that altar, consumed the sacrifice and everything else that was around it. And so we see in the midst of this very dark generation, this dark place, one prophet with the word of God spoke the word of God and these miraculous things happened. The spirit and power of Elijah. The drought was about to end. And that drought was ending through the power of prayer. And we see uh, Elijah with his servant and what does he do? You know, sometimes, yes, intercessors can do strange things. And, and uh, Elijah was there, and he knew it was time for the, the rains to come. It was three and a half years, I believe. And he got down, and he put his head between his knees, and he prayed intensely. He prayed intensely. And his, his servant was with him there, and, and he had him run to the sea and see if there's any, any clouds, any, anything that will show us that water is coming. But in his spirit... Elijah said he could hear the sound of abundance of rain. The sound of abundance of rain. And I believe that God wants to give us that kind of anticipation, that we would hear the sound of the abundance of rain coming. This is what the Lord desires to do as we carry his heart, as he releases his power. There's going to be a sound of abundance of rain, and rain speaks of the the Spirit of God just coming. Let the rain of God just fall upon us because we desperately need that rain. We desperately need it. And so his his, uh, servant went seven times to the sea, and on the seventh time he saw a cloud that was like a hand over that sea. And uh, 
Elijah knew that rain was coming. And this is really amazing. So he went and warned, uh, warned Ahab, and he said, you better get going to Jezreel in your chariots, because if you don't, you know, the, the monsoon is going to come, and you're not even going to be make be able to make it there. And it says that Elijah girded up his loins, he took his big robe and he tied it around, and he supernaturally ran like the wind 25 miles to Jezreel by the Spirit of God. This was the prophet of God. This was the prophet of God. This was the Word of God. This was the Spirit that he operated in. This is what the Lord desires to release. You will say, well, that was the prophet Elijah. I'm just a human being. I'm just a son. I'm just a daughter of God. In James 5, 16 and 18, it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with nature just like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The power of the Spirit and the power of Elijah it's also a spirit of restoration. You know, when we look at natural restoration, we look at an old piece of furniture, and uh, natural restoration is something that, you know, goes back to its original state. Some people uh, love these things, and other people would throw them out like junk. God doesn't throw anything out like junk. Biblical restoration is so much more powerful that it takes us to the, the original intent that God has for us. He's a God of restoration. The spirit and power of Elijah is restoration. So many parts of our lives have been broken down. And we need God to just come and restore. Restore to us the purpose of God. Restore to us the heart of God. Restore to us what is our destiny and what is our call in God. He desires to do this. And we see this in the scripture in Isaiah 58, 12. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. That the habitation of God, the house of God, the family of God would be a safe place where we can be restored and where individuals can be restored. They can understand their identity. They can understand who they're called to be. God of restoration. Isaiah 61, it starts with the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to heal broken hearts and set captives free. But it says in verse 6, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. There's much desolation. There's much desolation, but God wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring that fathering spirit, that repentant spirit. He wants to bring the spirit of humility and the spirit of restoration, and he wants to release his power. I just want to touch on the generational component here because it's very important for us in, in our church family to understand how important after all, he went and he succeeded in performing these wonderful miracles by the hand of God. And as he was on his journey in 2 Kings 19.19, 19, he saw a young man named Elisha. And that young man was simply working in the field, just working in the field. And it said that he threw his mantle over him, that, that he wanted to have someone who could carry on with the spirit and the power of Elijah. And that mantle, certainly it was a cloak that he wore, but it symbolized the authority that he had as a prophet and also the prophetic anointing that was upon his life and the power of his office. And he wanted to give that 
to this man who is ready to receive it. If we look into 2 Kings 2 where it talks about, um, and Elisha understood this, that Elijah would be taken to heaven very soon. And so what was his stance? What was his position in this? Three times in that book, he said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. I believe that this is the heart of, of what God wants to place in, our, in sons and daughters. And that as fathers and mothers in the house of God are needed, those who carry mantles and carry anointings and have learned through the journey of life and experience life that, that we get close to the anointing that that mantle will come upon us. We each have different mantles, but God wants to, to release those mantles. He wants us to be able to accomplish what God has for us to accomplish. And then Elijah said to Elisha in verse 9, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And you know, a double portion... The double portion inheritance belonged to the firstborn child. And Elisha wasn't even a blood relative of that father. But he had a tenacity in him that he wanted his inheritance. He wanted what belonged to the firstborn son. And I believe God would put that spirit into to those who are sons and daughters in this house. That you're going to get close to the anointing. You're going to get close to mothers and fathers in the house who carry the anointing and believe that some of the mantle that they carry will come upon you. And in your heart, say, I'm not going to leave. You know, circumstances of life and the pressures of life and the dynamics of life will sometimes want us to, we want to run. We're, we want to run, but God says, run into the presence of God. Run into the anointing. Run into those who carry the anointing. Stay close to the anointing. The anointing is the smearing of the Holy Spirit. He wants to smear us with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to experience that in a powerful way. And Elisha knew that he needed that energizing power of the prophetic. He needed that energizing power and the anointing that his father, Elijah, carried. The spirit and power of Elijah, that double portion, that double portion of the spirit. In verse 11, it says, Suddenly a chariot and horses of fire took Elijah up in a whirlwind to heaven. Elijah never died a natural death. And to me, this speaks that that spirit and power is alive for us to lay hold of. God wants us to lay hold of that spirit and power of Elijah, that anointing, that mantle that he carried. And he never died. And uh, we believe that he will be a part of what happens as, as the preparation of the second coming of the Lord comes. In verse 12, it says, Elijah saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, my father, my father. Some of us have had the benefit of having wonderful fathers and mothers. We've had the benefit of spiritual fathers and mothers. And God wants us to have that heart. My father, my father, to recognize those ones who carry the anointing, who can impact our life for the purposes of God, those who will stand in the gap on our behalf and pray and intercede for the purposes of God to come. We need that. Some of you here in this room, you need that. You need that blessing. You need that heart. And after Elijah was taken up, in verse 13 and 14 of 2 Kings 2, you can read this on your own. Elisha took up the mantle. 
he struck the water and it parted the, the river Jordan. He struck it and it parted. So we see that, that he received the mantle that Elijah, his father, carried. And the sons of the prophets, others who, who recognized the anointing, said the spirit of Elijah surely rests on Elisha. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say that in this house? That the spirit of that one who has the anointing, that one who we recognize as having gifts and callings and abilities in God, male or female, hallelujah. Male or female, because we need fathers and mothers. We need those who are mature in the house of God. We need sons and daughters who will stay close to the anointing, saying, my father, my father, impart to me that anointing that you carry. And God wants to release that to our hearts and he wants to release the power, the signs and wonders. And we were praying this morning, even for the little children, the little children in our midst, our children, our little ones, our grandchildren. It won't be too long before I'll be a great-grandmother. Not too soon. <laughs> but I, I can hardly wait because I love to impart to my grandchildren, to my children. And I'm believing that I'll have great-grandchildren to impart to as well because this is the heritage of the Lord. But our little children in this family of God, they have the capacity to experience God. They have the capacity to understand about the anointing. We, wouldn't, we shouldn't pretend that they just be delegated to a place where they just hear some little Bible stories. But God wants to release the spirit and power of Elijah to us, and specifically at this time, this season, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that we would be open to what is God's prophetic heart for us as a family. I'm going to keep saying, family of God, Hope City family. I'm going to keep saying it. Even if we are dysfunctional and we have challenges, I believe the heart of God is to father us and call us forth as a family who can be safe and a wonderful place for the people of God to dwell. I will keep praying it. I'll keep saying it. I'm not giving up on the, on the inheritance and that double portion of the mantle of God. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.